Assalamu alaikum, everyone. My name is Muhi Khwaja with the American Muslim Community Foundation Muslim Philanthropy Podcast. Today on the show, we are honored to have on Scott Rasmussen, who is the Executive Director of Hands of Peace. Welcome to the show. Muhi, thanks for having me. Of course. Pleasure is mine. Um, why don't we uh, start off by just giving the listeners a little bit of background on yourself, uh, kind of where you're located, um, where you grew up, went to school, uh, and then we'll continue from there. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Scott Rasmussen, like you said, I'm currently based in Spokane, Washington. Been living here for the last uh, two years. Grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, my parents and family are still there. And did uh, undergrad at a small school in Idaho called BYU-Idaho. Then went to my graduate work at the University of Michigan. So go blue. <laughs> Always, yeah, <laughs> never go. Uh, and then after graduate school, I joined the Foreign Service for the U.S. State Department and spent 10 years as a diplomat with overseas assignments in Eritrea, Poland, worked in Washington, D.C. for a little bit. And then my last assignment was in Jerusalem before I left government service and moved to Spokane. It's a little bit about me. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that background. Always yeah. happy to find fellow Wolverines all across the world. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and there isn't a shortage of us anywhere, no. um, which is <laughs> no. the beautiful part. Yes. Um, so that's that's wonderful to hear. I'm glad that um, you know you have that background and skill set and leading the work that you do at Hands of Peace. Um, in terms of um, just kind of your journey there, like after working at the State Department and you know living in Eritrea and Jerusalem and elsewhere, um, what was your first um, kind of work back stateside after you came back? Yeah, so when I got back, uh, I took a little bit of time off after leaving the government and then got a, um, a contract with the city of Spokane working on their homelessness response, or I should say COVID response for the homeless population here in Spokane. It did that for about six months uh, last year. And then in September, um, I had an opportunity to join Hands of Peace, which is what I was really looking looking for. Um, I was I first encountered Hands of Peace and an organization like Hands of Peace when I worked in Jerusalem at the US Consulate General, where I did grants with peacebuilding organizations, um, including Hands of Peace at the time, uh, and really came to love the people, Israelis and Palestinians who were involved in this work and wanted to find a way to stay involved so when I, when my wife and I and our family moved to Spokane, I said, you know, if I could find a way to stay connected to Jerusalem and, and this work, I'd love to do that. And she was skeptical. There's not a lot of connections between Jerusalem and Spokane, but Hands of Peace was looking for an executive director last year. And um, I threw my hat in the ring and was lucky enough to be selected. That's great. Um, and then in, in regards to, you know, the work that you do, obviously, there's no more critical time than now with everything happening in uh, Palestine and Israel. And, you know, in terms of um, the work that you lead at Hands of Peace, what are some of the programs and services that are offered? Sure. So our, our kind of core program is called the Summer Program. And we've been doing this in Chicago since 2003, added San Diego as a second site in 2014. And so what the summer program is, we bring Israeli, Palestinian, and American youth, usually 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, together for three weeks of facilitated dialogue. 
and other leadership training uh, and, and growth opportunities. So the for the Israelis and Palestinians who are coming, for many of them, it's the first time they've come to the States. And from, for most, it's the first time they've had a chance to meet somebody from the other side. And so they spend, the for those three weeks, they spend the mornings in dialogue with facilitators from the region to talk about the conflict and talk about how they see themselves in it and, and get to know one another. Um, and what I understand are, can be very intense and emotional conversations, but truly transformational as they have a chance to really learn and, and see from the other. And then in the afternoons, they spend time doing um, other leadership development, going to uh, ropes courses uh, and experiencing life in Chicago and San Diego. Uh, a real important part of the program for us is they, the youth who come from the Middle East stay with host families. So volunteers who offer to host these young people for three weeks and so they get a chance to see what life is like for an average American family. And for the host family, they get a, a connection with these young people. And you know, many of them, they say, my Palestinian son or my, my Israeli daughter, they really become a part of the family. Um, and they get a connection to the region that they just otherwise wouldn't have had. Um, so that's our, our core mm -hmm. program. And then after they return home uh, to their homes, we continue to support them in their journey to becoming agents of change with alumni programs. Uh, we provide training. Uh, we're doing a training later this year in design thinking and social entrepreneurship. How can you use those tools to make a change in your community? Also training in negotiations, uh, facilitation, leadership skills, other things to help them continue to grow as they develop and, and as adults and move into the working world and, and continue to want to be peacemakers. That's really beautiful. And I was going to ask about like where the program takes place. So that's really awesome to see that uh, it's stateside and gives them an opportunity to travel um, and really just explore and, and experience a new culture um, and be with a host family. I think that's tremendous to get that um, colloquial sense of how things work. And uh, in, in terms of just interfaith work in general, that's one of the first ways in which I got involved into the nonprofit world. And I've found those relationships have always been meaningful and thoughtful and people are guided by their faith to do good things for humanity. Uh, and that has been one of my sources of truth uh, when I look back at, you know, why I do what I do. Um, mm -hmm. And in regards to American Muslim Community Foundation at AMCF, we are launching uh, Interfaith Giving Circle. So we're looking for people of all faiths or no faith, uh, who, however they identify, to participate in uh, charitable giving together. So they would pool their resources. Um, right now it's still in the planning phases, but we hope to launch in the end, by the end of 2021. Um, so I'll definitely keep you apprised of, of that information. Um, and yeah, perhaps some of your alumni would want to partake in it um, or anybody that's stateside may find it beneficial. And the idea mm -hmm. being that they would identify organizations working in interfaith. So of course, Hands of Peace could be one of the many that are considered. Um, and, and then you mentioned like the leadership development programs and things like that. We also offer a social impact accelerator, which is a webinar series of, uh, we started it last year and we're continuing it this year. Um, so any of the alumni or participants, if they're interested in learning about design thinking and entrepreneurship and best practices and marketing and storytelling and fundraising and everything like that, that's relevant for nonprofit leaders, uh, we offer fantastic, um, program around that as well. That's great to hear. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what we want to do too with our alumni is 
it, we, I mean, we've been doing this now for 18 years. We have nearly 700 spread across the world and we want to connect them to other opportunities. We don't have to be the source of everything that they learn and do, but uh, uh, to other organizations like yours where they can get that training and other exposure to other fields and people and um, yeah, really spread, spread it around. So that's, that's great to hear. Um, Perfect. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, I'm sure there are other programs as well that you want to jump into as well. So please do share um, some of the other areas in which Hands of Peace operates. Sure. Well, I was just going to kind of build on what you were saying about interfaith work and, and Hands of Peace really, I mean, it started as an interfaith project in, in the north suburbs of Chicago. Uh, so our founder, uh, Gretchen Grad, after 9-11, saw what was going on with kind of the anti-Islamophobia um, in her community, and she wanted to do something uh, to, to push back against that. So she got together with a, a friend of hers from a local synagogue and another friend from a local mosque, and they said, you know, what if we brought Israeli and Palestinian kids here to the States um, to and to meet with American kids and give them a chance to see the other and understand and how uh, alike and similar we are, and that's that's where it started. And one of the most powerful parts of the summer program, um, when the kids are in San Diego or Chicago, actually youth, not kids, um, they get the chance to attend uh, services at a church, a synagogue, and a mosque. Um, and in many instances, the the imam or the pastor or the, the rabbi invites them to speak um, to the congregation. So, you know, there's a, a Palestinian Muslim speaking from the mm -hmm. Bima or a, a Jewish Israeli speaking in a mosque. And... Um, I, so I joined the organization about a year ago. I haven't seen this yet, but as a father of teenagers, I know anytime you give a teenager a microphone, you're you're taking a risk, but particularly <laughs> adding that kind of pressure to it, because um, mm -hmm. sometimes they say hard things. They speak their truth, and and but but from what I understand, it's a really powerful moment for the for the youth, but also for the congregation. And like you were saying, truly, this interfaith work of people of all faiths or no faith, um, but committed to this common. Um, you know, supporting and, and moving forward as a as a common human family, so that's um, that speaks very much to the work that we do. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that as well. That that yeah, vision, yeah, um, yeah. So some of the other programs that we run, um, uh, so we do things. Obviously, our focus is on our youth, but we also have a large community in San Diego and Chicago. Everything we do is is made possible by volunteers as with many nonprofits and we rely on them as i said the host families but there's also people who bring meals and who drive the youth around and every element that we have is is done by volunteers and so we try to engage our volunteers in our community throughout the year with monthly events called community circle where we do book circles or we bring in speakers they had been in the past uh, um, live now obviously in the past year we're doing everything on zoom which has allowed us to bring together our San Diego and Chicago communities uh, in one place. Um, and one of the other things that's, that's really interesting um, that I'm, I'm excited that, that we do is we take multi-narrative trips to the region. So for 10 days, we work with an organization called Mejdi Tours, and they provide a, a Palestinian guide and an Israeli guide, and we visit uh, Israel and Palestine up and down um, in the West Bank um, and give people a chance to meet and interact with uh, people from both sides of the conflict, or I should say all sides, there's not, it's not just two sides, but kind of see the different aspects of it and, and really get a good grasp and understanding of the reality on the ground there. And of course, there's opportunities to see the, the cultural and historical and religious sites that are so important for so many in the region. Um, but we are planning our next trip uh, with that next uh, September. So. Yeah, talking about like the the different narratives around this. And, and of course, like 
it's far too complex to get into now, but um, there's a community leader. Um, he's the founder of Cloudera, which was acquired, I believe, by Google, and he's now at Google, and he's um, in their management, but you know, obviously his, his views are not reflective of the company or anything like that, mm -hmm. but he, he shared his personal story of growing up um, and it was just a really heartfelt message. It goes for two hours on YouTube. Again, there's so much you can talk about, but he, he talks about his experience um, growing up and the otherization and the narrative mm -hmm. and having to reframe and rewire his cognitive understanding of the human experience. Um, you know, a lot of that was built in from growing up overseas, but then when he came to California, like, and was at Stanford and engaged with people who were of uh, different faiths and of different backgrounds and the people that he very grew up to hate, um, mm -hmm. it shifted his mindset when he was able to interact with them. So I think that's the power of Hands of Peace and the different programs um, is that personal one-on-one -on -one interaction and building and understanding of saying, you know, let's literally take them out of the environment in which incubated those narratives and reframe that and show them that it, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think it's super powerful, um, the work that you do. Um, and, you know, as a, I, I want to get into like um, nonprofit leadership and like kind of things on that end, but like in, in terms of hands of peace and kind of the work that you are doing, what would you say are your favorite aspects of the job? Well, I mean, I would say that my most favorite thing is is what got me into it, which is the people. And like I said, you know, when I worked and lived in Jerusalem, I had the chance to meet um, Israelis and Palestinians uh, of all walks of life, but particularly people who are engaged in peace building work and who are willing to do that. I mean, and it's hard work to to see the other and to try to understand and listen. And it doesn't always mean you become friends or, you know, best buds. It, it, that's not what it's about. It's about, like you just described, humanizing each other and, and truly um, maybe starting to build some trust and, and common understanding. And and the people who are willing to do that are honestly some of the most courageous and truly compassionate people I've met. So to be around those people and enhance the peace, that's our alumni. Um, I haven't had the chance to meet any of them in person yet, obviously, but but talked with many of them uh, via Zoom and, the, and on the phone. Um, and ju they're just inspiring in, in, in their approach to life and how they are willing to, to in some sense, leave their community um, and and reach across um, whatever the boundary or barrier might be. I think, man, that's that's the the best one. Um, I think for me, the other thing I enjoy the most about it is, you know, so as I said, I worked for the government for ten years, lived overseas, kind of have always had a very international focus. Now I'm in Spokane. It's not a big city, uh, not a lot of uh, diversity or global reach. So this this opportunity gives me the chance to be engaged with and talk with people literally from all over the world um, and and maintain that kind of international global flavor um, that that has informed my life and, and my vision. And so those are the two things I think that I enjoy enjoy most about the job. Great. And then um, is, is this your first role as an executive director or have you been at ED before? 
no, so this is my first role as an ED. It's my first um, role as an adult. I worked for nonprofits volunteer when I was younger, but as an adult in the nonprofit world, because as I said, I would work primarily for the government. So that has been um, a challenge uh, and a learning curve to be sure. So when I was with the government, a lot of the work that I did was um, grants work with nonprofits. So I've worked with a lot of different nonprofits in different contexts, big, small, uh, you know, um, uh, who work on kind of all different kinds of issues. Uh, but I think the thing that's been the most challenging, uh, taking a, a learning curve is is the funding, right? So in the government, your money always comes. There's not a lot of work you have to do to go out and get it. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, but then uh, as in a nonprofit, sure. um, you know, you've got to work for that and 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 help people see that what how they're what they're investing their their contribution their donation in is is making mm -hmm. an impact changing people's lives so yeah yeah um you know fundraising and, and nonprofit leadership has been in my career since 2009 um and i was fortunate to have a internship at the university of michigan called the development summer internship program um, mm. So I got to see firsthand how U of M fundraised with 500 staff members across the university uh, focused on the different colleges and units or the hospital or the sports teams and alumni engagement. So it was really fascinating to see this as a career trajectory. And if it wasn't for that opportunity, I, I wouldn't be where I am. Um, so, you know, there's so many fantastic resources like Association of Fundraising Professionals um, or Indiana University. And, you know, you can get credentialed and uh, take a lot of courses. So I would highly recommend that on the fundraising side of things. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, it's been just a um, the, the reason why I wanted to ask about the ED role is just kind of get your sense and, and would love to hear more about that transition and what some of those challenges are um, working at a nonprofit organization for people who maybe are in the same scenario. Maybe they've worked in government and want to make the shift to nonprofit or have worked in corporate and want to jump into the nonprofit world. Uh, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good question. Well, one is, I, I would say, um, and on the fundraising thing, just to kind of close that out, Luckily, I have a fantastic colleague, uh, Diana Cutler, who is an expert in credentialed, all those things you mentioned, and she knows what she's doing and has been a fantastic teacher. So I would say for someone interested in making the jump, um, and I think this is true in any career jump or move, is to check out the people you'll be working with, all right? And 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 surround yourself with with good people or join an organization that has good people and Hands of Peace certainly has that, and that's been a tremendous blessing. Um, that's an interesting question. I think, uh, like I said, beyond, I think the other, it hasn't been a challenge, but just a learning curve is working with a board. I'm particularly as an executive director. That's one of my primary functions. Um, and that was just not something I had done before. Obviously, in the in when I work for the government, there's a hierarchy and you talk with people and you're responsible to many different bosses at different levels. Um, but that's different than, in, you know, than having a volunteer board. Um, people who love uh, and are committed to the organization and for hands of peace many of our board members have been around the organization for a long time so they have a vision for uh what they want it to be and where they want to see it go um but i've been blessed that uh, i kind of came in at the time i came in last year the board was doing a reimagining process and we're kind of wrapping the initial stages up and have really given me the reins to to take my vision and take what they learned and and form something moving forward so that's uh 
I think something to think about, if, particularly if you're looking at an executive director role and, and you'll be having that interaction with the board and, and forming those relationships. Um, that's something to, to, to keep in mind. Other kinds of advice uh, or thoughts, not about advice, but... Um, well, I'll let you think about that. And, yeah. and the, the other reason why I asked is because AMCF is hiring its first executive director. Um, so we definitely want somebody who would be working with the board pretty closely and, you know, the board develops a strategic plan, the staff implements it, the staff is definitely part of that process. Um, but, you know, I think all of those things that you mentioned are similar challenges and I don't know kind of your budget size or staff size at Hands of Peace, but would love to learn more about that too. Um, you know, we have about five part-time staff. Um, I was full-time up until... Um, June, the end of June, and uh, transitioned to part-time and we're hiring this ED to take over. Uh, the ED will hopefully hire another full-time person and other part-time staff to fill out the team uh, in marketing and fundraising. And, um, you know, we have somebody who handles all the relationships with the nonprofits and handles the relationships with all the donors and everything in between. So we're really looking for somebody who um, is good at project management. I think that's probably one of the largest skill sets of an executive director um, and just kind of um, looking through all the stakeholders and uh, and then you have all the operational pieces of like file, making sure you know you're filed with your state and federal stuff and like you said surrounding yourself with a great team like making sure yeah. that people who are qualified know what they're doing have the experience people that you can rely on you can be like a big picture thinker uh, and ask the right questions to move things forward. Um, so I think all of those things are qualities that executive directors need. Yeah, I think I could build on something because you just reminded me of, of kind of there's the operational there. I think I would say they're kind of the stakeholder people side and the operational side and the stakeholder people side, I feel is, is my strengths. Um, talking with stakeholders, uh, engaging with the team, understanding what people's needs are and how we can weave those together uh, and kind of Bridging, bridging gaps. That's where I, I spend a lot of my time, obviously, as a diplomat. You hope that's what you're doing, is helping people come together. Um, but the operational stuff, you know, for for Hands of Peace, so we're, we're a small nonprofit. We have um, three full-time staff in the States besides myself, and then we have two full-time and one part-time in the region. Um, so when I, as executive director, I, you know, I do the budget. I'm, I'm HR. Uh, luckily, we have a I, uh, volunteer who takes care of IT for us, and he's amazing. Um, but, you know, as you're talking about for, for your organization or for other small organizations, for someone who's looking to be an ED, recognizing that, that there are some operational things to to be learned. And like you said, filing, making sure you're filed with the state and in your taxes and all these things that if you're in a bigger organization, you really don't ever see, right? Because it all happens, somebody else takes care of it. Um, so being willing, like you said, there are a lot of great resources out there to help nonprofits. And that's, I've been uh, the beneficiary of that. There's an organization in Chicago that we're a member of called Forefront that um, provides a lot of these resources and directions and, and in some cases um, consulting for nonprofits and for EDs to help them work through some of these, these operational things that maybe you haven't had to do before or haven't had that much experience with. So I would say definitely for an ED, I think the other quality that I've learned is don't be afraid to ask for help. And I know as I started, I felt a lot of pressure to be like, you know, you want to, I, I can do this, show that you've got it. Um, and my my board chair particularly, he's like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> he said, if you, if you need help, ask for help. Like we're, we're all here. It's the same team. We're all moving together. We hired you because we thought you could do the job. You, you know, obviously we want you to do well. 
but you don't need to feel like it's it's all on your shoulders. And that's I've I've learned more about that. And as I've been able to do more of that, asking for help and and kind of sharing the load, um, it's made the job easier. That's great. It seems like you have uh, a fantastic and committed board, which is highly critical. There, I've seen other boards that are often like the molasses and you're just a fly stuck in it and just trying to get out. Um, so it's good to see, you know, obviously every organization has their limitations and challenges, um, but it's often wonderful when you have those committed visionary board members who understand it and get it and help move things forward. Um, I've been blessed to be surrounded by fantastic board members at AMCF and it's just refreshing to see that um, for you as well. Yeah, yeah, makes a big difference, absolutely. Cool. Um, you know, in, in regards to um, Hands of Peace, um, what are some of your hopes and dreams in terms of what you'd like to accomplish? Yeah, so um, I've come in at kind of an interesting point for the for the peace building field, and I'll say peace building field specifically in Israel and Palestine. Um, it, the field's been around really since um, the Oslo Agreement, so about 25, almost 30 years now. Um, and a lot of the field has been focused on dialogue, uh, which is the, the the core program of what we do, getting people together to learn about from each other, talk with each other, start to build that trust. Um, but we're discovering that the dialogue isn't enough. It's not enough to, uh, to ha just have that, you know, that relationship or that trust or to see the other. Um, uh, so part of my vision, I think this is a, a, a challenge the, the field itself is facing and trying to figure out the way to do is, how do you continue to support people who have participated in these programs and giving them opportunities um, to practice kind of what they they started. And so that's where I mentioned our alumni skill building programs, that's where that really comes in. And actually that's what our alumni told us they wanted during the reimagining. They said, you know, dialogue is good. It's a good start, but we need to, we need to learn skills of how to be a community organizer, you know, how to think, uh, design thinking, how to think with people in mind first. Uh, how can I facilitate my own difficult conversations? How can I how can I be a critical listener in a, in a difficult conversation? Um, and these are skills that you can use, obviously, in peace building, but of course, in any field of life, with your family, in your community. Um, and that's what we're really trying to do. That's where I want to take hands at pieces. The summer program is a start, but it's the start of a journey. And we'll be there to continue to support you, you know, as you go through university. And then if as you get your first job and in your, in your 20s and early 30s, um, giving you skills and opportunities to continue you know, some people want to work specifically on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Others, maybe you, you know, you're a teacher or you're a doctor or you're a, you know, work for a nonprofit, but understanding that the work that you're doing is contributing to the broader peace and to better lives for, for, for everyone in your community. And that expands out into, obviously, into the countries and around the world. So it really is, for me, kind of shifting this, taking the foundation we've had built for us over the past 18 years of dialogue, like I said, nearly 700 alumni and, and taking that and we're gonna continue on this journey. It does. It wasn't just a summer program, but there's still work uh, to be done and, and Hands of Peace is here to support you uh, in that. Yeah, I think, you know, that's really awesome. What year did, uh, so you, I know you mentioned like 25 years ago, but is that also when Hands of Peace started? itself as a nonprofit? Hands, Hands of Peace started in 2003. So we were about 
eight nice. years after some of the other uh, organizations started. So, yeah, okay. been around since 2003. Nice. Um, yeah, you know, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about Hands of Peace? Uh, yeah, I, I, we'd love for people who are interested to go to our website and check it out. And as I said, we have these community circle events um, where you can come and learn about the conflict, but we also learn about, it's not just the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, we talk about the same kind of principles and, and issues we're having here in our own country, um, obviously in challenges and, and divisions. Um, and we'd love to have people join our community in any way that they can. And this really is a, it's a, Hands of Peace is a community, it's a family. Um, and we're always uh, trying to expand. And so, yeah, we welcome we welcome everyone. Awesome. So handsofpeace.org, everybody can learn more. You can volunteer. You can sign up for their email newsletter. You can, of course, donate and support. You can find them on Instagram at handsofpeace. Uh, and then on Twitter, you mentioned it was hands underscore of peace. Underscore, yeah, okay. Underscore cool. peace, yep. Perfect. So, you know, I highly encourage everybody to learn more about uh, the wonderful work at Hands of Peace. Scott, it's been a pleasure having an opportunity to chat with you. Um, I look forward to um, sharing this with our donors uh, so that they can learn more about your work. And we'll be putting it in our nonprofit directory so it's available for others to publicly access. Uh, and we are here to um, support you and your staff and your constituents in anything that they need from, uh, you know, the capacity building and leadership development perspective. Um, so we're committed to the nonprofit ecosystem and the donor ecosystem and really just building this philanthropic ecosystem overall. Awesome. Thank you. Movie, it's been great talking with you. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Likewise. Have a wonderful day. You too.